And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. So we're over halfway through the NFL season, and it seems pretty definitive. You know, Lamar Jackson, he's not running back his MVP victory. That that can't happen. Uh, Russell Wilson. Not looking as good as he did early on. Tom Brady, you know, maybe running it back a little, maybe maybe catching up a little bit, but he had a, a couple of rough goes of it. Looked pretty good yesterday. We'll see. You know, Tua didn't play enough games. Uh, Josh Allen had a nice little a nice little run. Looked worse. Got better. Maybe maybe took a step back again. Aaron Rodgers has fluctuated a little. He didn't look very good against the Jags. So guys, in my and really most apparently uh, of the uh, of the the national world of football analysis, I would like to go ahead and just suggest now Kyler Murray MVP of this NFL season because for whatever reason we just can't acknowledge that Patrick Mahomes is ahead by like a country mile. Wait, 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 Josh. Wait, Josh. You know, I'm crutching the numbers right now, and one team's undefeated. I mean, one That's team a great point. didn't have a quarterback Monday through Saturday or Monday Hashtag through Saturday MV morning. Ben. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm just saying, you know. And he's um, doing it all hurt, too. The the Cincinnati Bengals are, yeah, yeah, Cincinnati Bengals are, are a real team. They're, 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 <laughs> they're, they're a team getting NFL paychecks. You know, four touchdowns yesterday for the yeah. the Lego man at quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one team is undefeated. All Ben Roethlisberger has done is take unnecessary hits and win football games. OK, <laughs> that's your MVP. I man, it, the, the MVP thing is kind of interesting because, you know, what does it really mean? How do we really figure it out? Let's be honest, if it was really the most valuable player every year, there would have been like a 10 year stretch where it would have been Peyton Manning, right? And like, and so it's there's always a lot that goes into it, whether a player should have won it before. But I, there, there really is Patrick Mahomes and there's everyone else. He never has actually bad <laughs> games. And like, I, I just, it's. It, Do you remember what his worst game was last season? Sam, you remember his last, what his worst game was last season? It was against the now Las Vegas, but then Oakland Raiders coming back from, you know, his knee being right. dislocated. And, and they still won by a billion points in that game. Yeah, they still won. Like, I mean, their only loss this year, that was because the defense decided, let's see what happens if we give up 265 yards on seven plays. And, you know, I, I just, we're going to see what happens with Oakland, or Oakland, oh man. With Vegas, I'm never going to get used to that. But they're really they're, there's two categories. There's Mahomes and there's everyone else. Like Rodgers is the one who this year has most consistently played at the same level as Mahomes. Um, Russ Wilson maybe was early, but they're just not the same players on third down when it comes to Wilson and then compare him to Rodgers and Mahomes. And then everyone else, it's like, yeah, okay. Because I like that Kyler Murray. I mean, we might as well say DeAndre Hopkins too, which... Well, which, listen, which we might as Hopkins well say great. you guys haven't you guys haven't mentioned my MVP, Derrick Henry. I mean, I think he's got to be in this conversation. Aaron Donald, I think, is getting votes over Mahomes at this point. I, mean, I just think, we, I think so it's a conversation we have to have. It's hey, the Rams defense looks good, but it is. I, when did we and this is an interesting conversation. I'm curious. I don't know when we became petty. Maybe we've always been petty. We've always been petty. We just haven't as had a good a, platform a human, to show it as on. As a you know, human like, race. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, yeah, I, it's, it, it's, it's been easier to be petty this year. I don't know why. Like, it's almost maybe channeling some of, like, that, you know, God forbid, like, Patriots fan. Like, how dare you question their yeah. greatness? 
And maybe now, maybe I'm identifying with that feeling a little bit more. Because I just get tired of, of, of fans of other teams like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, Kelsey's no George Kittle. Yeah, but Tyree Kill is no blah, blah, blah. And Mahomes, you know, he's a product of his system. You know, Andy Reid's not really that great. You know, even because both things can somehow be true. And, right, that's right. and it's just been easier this year to just, like, kind of have, like, a how dare you attitude. And that's kind of coincided for me with, a, you know, the very slight backlash against all the, the attention Mahomes gets. And so, yeah, it's just, yeah, as a human race, we've always been petty, and now we've got a great platform for it. Russell Wilson has 13 times as many turnovers as Patrick Mahomes <laughs> this year. I love Russell Wilson. I really do. I we were we briefly touched on that. He's I guess he's fumbled. He's actually fumbled it four times. Yeah. I think he lost three of them. Uh, I really really like Russell Wilson. Like if Patrick Mahomes didn't exist, I think Russell Wilson for long stretches of time would be my favorite thing to watch in the NFL. Um, I am sort of enjoying the like absolutely soul crushing turnovers just because it's something that Patrick Mahomes has literally not <laughs> done this year. And I don't know how many of his turnovers last year were soul crushing, but as the one pick this year was like completely meaningless. Cause it was, it was a, a pass that if it would have fallen incomplete would have been the exact same result. And, uh, and actually it would have been better for the Raiders to have not caught that pass. <laughs> I, I, I am just, I'm I'm just appreciating as much as I really do love Russell Wilson. I'm appreciating every opportunity that the rest of the football watching world has to understand that Patrick Mahomes is playing the game with broken settings and everyone else is a human being, even the great human beings. Even even the strongest human beings are not actually super soldiers or uh superheroes or none of none of them have, have the serum that Captain America got. Except for apparently Patrick Mahomes. And interestingly enough, Patrick Mahomes will go through this entire season, perhaps with, you know, minimal turnovers. Uh, but the fact that, you know, as we all got to enjoy Red Zone yesterday. Yes. Patrick Mahomes is not going up against TJ Watt because they don't play the Steelers this year. And he's not going up against Miles Garrett. Uh, because the Chiefs are not playing the Cleveland Browns this year. So these are the two top sack artists in the AFC and all of the league, not named Aaron Donald. Um, and so it's it was also interesting, too, to watch how, you know, superstar quarterbacks do react to real pressure. And Patrick Mahomes rarely reacts to real pressure. Um, so, look, it's it's clear now. I think the MVP award should be given to somebody who I Googled on <laughs> and searched on Twitter constantly last night because I watched something on my couch and I scared my child. And then I had to explain <laughs> to my child, son, that never happens. And when I mean never, I can literally only count it on one hand, okay? Uh, it is not healthy. Okay, I'm admitting this. It's not healthy to see one of the most spectacular plays of the modern NFL era and immediately Google what is up with Bill O'Brien. Like, <laughs> um, I seen everybody on this lovely podcast, including Danielle, a a uh, just just a lovely screenshot of people wanting to fire Bill O'Brien again. Bill O'Brien not giving a first not not getting a first round draft pick. The idea that that people in Buffalo now want to murder Bill O'Brien, like I mean, it's look. I mean, what's Deshaun Watson doing these days? I mean, playing in the cold in Cleveland with no top level receiver. Just guys, I just want to read you some. I just, I just want to read. Look, you're not supposed to read tweets. This is a rudimentary fact. But but look at these tweets, man. Look, like, I just can't believe that Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick and a washed running back. <laughs> it's Bill O'Brien should never get another job again. Like, we're not talking NFL job. I assume this anyway. person's meaning he should never get another job again. 
And uh, Bill O'Brien should be arrested. That's the last tweet that I that I sent. That you was my use. favorite. <laughs> Bill O'Brien should be arrested immediately. <laughs> the idea that, that DeAndre Hopkins makes that play and then Bill O'Brien just gets his door kicked in is it's just as that happens. This is just Bill really is excellent. sitting at home, minding his own business, probably ignoring the NFL just for a little while because you know maybe he, just trying to be a family. Yeah, man. he's just like I'm just gonna hang out with my kids tonight. You know, I'm gonna pay a little more attention in the playoffs, and you know, then we'll figure out what's next for me. And then all of a sudden, the phone starts buzzing, and he probably ignored it for the first few, you know, whatever. And then you know, you probably heard, you know, this is the police. <laughs> 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 and it's just like. Sir, sir, I'm going to need to see your hands. We're bringing you in. <laughs> for what? We're going to find a name for it. <laughs> but it's... I've never Altering seen... Altering the entire landscape of the NFL, sir. Yeah. The most entertaining yeah. thing we have in this country. The people the have spoken. Theft? You have been weighed. You have been served. You need to be sentenced immediately. <laughs> the, I think the thing that I'm always going to be mad about is that... If it weren't for the fact that Bill, who I think is a perfectly fine X's and O's guy, was so whatever at the GM aspect of it, that he didn't apparently call the whole league, because he couldn't have. He could not have called everyone. There's no way. It seems There's no way that that's the best offer he got for DeAndre Hopkins. There's no way. When the Bills... I mean, the Vikings got... It's not like the Vikings are fleecing people in trades. They're like, oh, we'll trade Stephon Diggs, who I think is probably a little better overall receiver than Hopkins by a by a narrow margin, but they're both great. Mm-hmm. Um, Spicy. Oh, yeah. And so... I mean, he got so <laughs> tweet, much hey, if more. You, hey, if you disagree, if you disagree with Seth on any level, go ahead and tweet him at Real MSG. That sounds... Yep. That sounds terrific. Yep. Um... You know what? You know, Seth. One of those guys caught a pass over three defenders yesterday, and, and the other guy did. Oh, uh, I ended up in a like forty tweet like debate is how it ended up being with a Ravens fan who was just like, you know, he basically was like, you know, things like this is why DeAndre Hopkins is so much better than Tyree Kill because Tyree Kill never will win contested catches like that. I'm like, what? What? And I was like, look. Maybe not over three people, yeah, but yeah, I like mean, maybe, I've seen it over one person yeah. multiple times. Yeah, yeah, he's done. He's. I was like, no, I mean, look, Hop's great at that. But, you know, actually, Hill's really good at that. Um, not as good as Hop, but he's really good. And it's like, I just ended up in one of those things. Will you tell me, if they'd had Tyreek Hill out there, would they have won this game? Enough said. And I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> Like as soon as someone if someone tweets N U F F said, you've gotta quit. I you have to and it's not because they won, it's because the only way to win is to not I, play. You can't fight enough said. Yeah, I, I was just like, well no, I, I actually I, I he's pretty good in contested ball situations. I was just letting you know. It's like, well, I mean he's only sitting there running sweeps in nine routes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you can't you, it's, I mean, yeah, take a breath, I was man. so, I I don't was know so upset. What, I don't know what to do. But here. here's the other thing why I'm also a little bit mad at Bill O'Brien. you got to think, look, Brett Veach is the I'm all over veteran trades guy. There is no way that if Brett Veach heard about Hopkins being on the market for that cheap, wouldn't have at least made a call, right? Now, whether he would have actually traded for him because, you know, the contract Hopkins now has is like, it's a lot. Um, but I'm always going to be mad because I've got this thought in my head that the reason Brett Veach may have never heard about that would be that Bill O'Brien legitimately thought the Texans could compete against the Chiefs this year. It's like, I'm not going to trade to a rival. That's what I keep picturing in my head. And for that, my... It's a lot of... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just, I'm sorry. I was just going to say for that, my own fictitious imagination... I will never forgive Bill O'Brien. <laughs> there are nor plenty of good reasons to never forgive Bill yeah, O'Brien, nor, so I'm not going to tell you not to. Look, nor should he. I mean, I, I, look, if people want to tweet this at me, um, find me a worse year in in modern NFL general manager and coach responsibilities at the same time. Um, because, you know, scheming your way to a 24 nothing lead and then getting the doors <laughs> blown off of you 
immediately trading away. This mostly is about 2000, you know, 19. So I, I get it. But like, obviously, you know, just taking on guys who were like, you know, improvements, but not nothing that was going to like take you over the top for first round draft picks. And then being forced to trade one of your best assets, best players, best locker room guys, like everything considered being discussed around the league that involves Hopkins is just, you know, great. Like every, everything on the list is great. And then trading that away because you need a first round pick, but then not getting a first round pick. I just look, man, I need to find like somebody research this and find who had a worse calendar year in the modern NFL because you got fired like what four weeks into the season after the fourth game they were like look man we gotta we can't I can't keep living like this um so yeah it's just it's it's wild I just it's a great play um Kyler Murray is so exciting to watch um he really was he really was great yesterday it was he was yeah it was it was awesome Josh Allen stepped up in a way that we thought he would a couple weeks ago against the Chiefs, but um, yeah, I just, I just, I just want to know that Bill O'Brien is not okay, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I would, I would be upset if he was okay. That's how I feel at this point. I know. So this is. It's been a while since I've just been on over the cap, just sort of looking at numbers and kind of giggling to myself. So here's one bit of Houston Texans sort of trivia, and then I want to hear Seth about your uh, your red zone experience that you tweeted about yesterday. But so like this is just for this year. So I know this doesn't by any means cover like every angle of this. Um, but you know because De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins's contract is an average of twenty seven point two five million dollars a year through twenty twenty five. A lot of money. Second place right now is Julio Jones at twenty two. Like that's mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big contract. But right now, uh, of the Texans, it looks like top eight or nine players on their on their active roster right now, they're they're paying three wide receivers. Will Fuller, his his cap hit just for this year is ten million dollars. Uh, Brandon Cooks eight million dollars. Kenny Stills seven million dollars. Oh, sorry, Randall Cobb is actually next six million dollars. And DeAndre Hopkins three million dollars in dead money for the Texans right now. You you can talk about his contract if you want, but it's not like. It's not like they decided we're going to just go scrubs at receiver and see if Deshaun Watson can make it happen. Like I no one on planet Earth would rather have all four <laughs> of those dudes than DeAndre uh DeAndre Hopkins. Like I would literally rather have DeAndre Hopkins and then just like three totally replacement level like practice squad players. I mean, it's not even a question. And they went, "No, no, no. We'll pay Will Fuller's 10, Cooks is 8." <laughs> 25 with Kenny Stills, $31 million for Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, and uh, and uh, Brandon Cooks this year. With, 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 with arguably a generational talent at quarterback, and Josh, tell me what their record is. I believe, I, I actually don't, I, I, I'm surprised every week that I see it. Are they 2-7 now? They're 2-7 now. They've scored seven points against the Browns yesterday. They're two and seven. It's and um, it's it's <sighs> it's not great. <laughs> and and just just for record keeping purposes, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is second in the league with eight hundred and sixty one yards. Not that yards are everything. I'm just saying he's really really productive. Yeah. When given the opportunity to catch the football, if you could if you could hit a button and have one of these two players yanked from their current situation and just put on. Let's see. Who do I want to give these players to? If you could just give one of these guys to, like, I was going to say an NFC East team, and that's not better. Like, maybe maybe it's the Panthers. It looks like Kenny Bridgewater is going to be okay. But you give them to the Panthers or maybe the Raiders or the, uh, you know, one some sort of the Niners even. Would you rather, would you rather save Deshaun Watson or Alex Smith? Because both of them got done really, really dirty by their own teams. I think I'd save Alex Smith, but that's just because that's more of like a lifetime, you know. Alex is Yeah. I, I almost tweeted and I just didn't because I felt like ass feels like it's in poor taste. I almost tweeted that, you know, 
only Alex Smith's bad luck could overcome the Detroit Lions' bad luck. Because and the and the lions, the lions went lions yesterday. They were like they lions. Oh, you trying to come back? Okay, here you go. <laughs> Let's make it more interesting, fellas. Um, you're you're so right. Um, he looked uh, understandably upset when they when the when the Washington football yeah. team lost the game yesterday because they really did do everything right in the second half. Um. Considering how slow they started against the Detroit Lions, um, my Eric Bieniemy to the Lions odds took a massive hit yesterday because uh, <laughs> you know four and five looks a lot better they than three and six. They can't keep Matt Patricia. I don't. Think I mean, they do that. the only reason they won is because uh, their quarterback could complete one pass. Their kicker is still really, really good. Uh, I believe Matt Prater and. You know, the Washington football team made a just a colossal mental mistake uh, to give them, you know, the the field advantage uh, necessary to win a you know a game winning field goal. I I I don't feel like I left that game knowing who was the better team. <laughs> no, right, that's team true. And the and that's, <laughs> that's that's every that here's the thing is that's every game. Or that, that that's that's every game for like half the teams in the league at this point. Like the Giants beat the Eagles by ten. Those two teams are exactly the same. The 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 Bills and the Cardinals, those teams are very similar, but like both in a relatively positive way. The Seahawks and the Rams, they're pretty much the same. Why were the Saints sort of struggling against the Niners for a little bit and then also things opened up with Jameis Winston? I don't know. Bleep it. I have no idea. What in the hell happened with the Ravens last night? And the, like, like the, the the Patriots, the Patriots might be competent again. Like, maybe I don't know. Maybe Cam Newton just had COVID for like a month. Right, which he did. Right, which no one. I, I'm confused. I don't know, they, man. Look, which they don't want to say on the broadcast, but even I told Holly, like, look at the stats. Like, it's you know, could his body be be wearing down a little bit because you know you're playing football after not having preseason games and yada yada yada. Sure, but like. The man had COVID, and it's 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 okay for us to all acknowledge, like who's had COVID, unfortunately, and like has anybody played better? Has anybody played up to like their expectation? Like, no, it takes it takes a while, and it's so clear that like the Patriots still have a really good coaching staff that are like, here's what our guy can do well right now, but it's just gonna take a while before he's like, you know, Cam Newton on that Sunday night game against Seattle where he could pretty much do just about everything. Um, but I I think it's funny. We were talking before we recorded that the Baltimore Ravens are like, Hey, we're still relevant. We're still good. (laughs) We're going to break tendencies because we floated Lamar Jackson out there to float to Rich Eisen. Hey, they know, they know what we call it. See what we're going to do. We're going to play the team that knows exactly what we're calling. And we're going to break tendencies. And then Bill Belichick was like, actually, my Joker card is Mother Nature, and <laughs> you break all the tendencies you want. <laughs> you, you do everything you want out here, because it's a monsoon, sir. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, I really do want Seth's uh, red zone experience, but I'm also going to give you guys my joke that I almost tweeted and decided not to because I figured it wouldn't. I wasn't sure it would translate well on Twitter, but I feel confident enough to let it fly for the broadcast here. The uh, the audio form uh, you were talking about Alex Smith and I just like I had the tweet like written up and then deleted it to, and to just say playing for the Washington football fit Washington. Woof, maybe I shouldn't have even said this. I can't speak. It's too early. Playing for the Washington football team is the worst thing to ever happen to Alex Smith on a football field. No. 
And I still think that might be true. <laughs> it was hard to watch. I felt so, I felt bad for him in like this incredible moment. He threw for almost 400 yards. He still threw 390. He threw for 390. He also did not look, did not look great on that last drive, but like did enough. They got some well-timed penalties and they, you know. They were keeping it alive. He was out there. He was doing things. It felt yeah. good for him. Mm-hmm. One, one thing I've always respected about Alex Smith, um, and look, he played yesterday on a new cast. Uh, so that even that was like a, a new experience. Like, hey, man, you're starting for the first time in basically two years. Here's, <laughs> here's, a, here's a new cast for your leg that had a ton of surgeries on it. You good? You good. You got this. Um once Alex, and you probably know this too, Seth, from watching all the film, once Alex understands that pressure is legitimate, and he would know this by now because he's he's had, you know, uh, medical concerns, he plays quarterback in a way that is still very cerebral, very uh, technically sound, but he, he does understand that, like, hey, y'all, um, Nobody wants to see me get hurt out here. <laughs> so if I got to check, if I got, some of y'all used to call me check down Charlie. And guess what, sir? I'm mostly, you know, screaming at guys right now. If you called Alex Smith check down Charlie, I would love to see you play the NFL. <laughs> when guys, when guys start collapsing the pocket. Because you're like, wow, that person is directly in front of me, six yards away. Let's go. But he really did on the last two drives. He was pretty masterful in using his brain to really understand what the coverages were. And God, I mean, can we get more Akeem to leave as as color man? Like, yo, that was amazing because he was like, "Why are they still in cover too?" You know? Yeah, he was fun. <laughs> like Akeem to leave was great. He was like, "I don't understand why they're just in man cover too." Alex already knows this. What are you doing? Um, basically just calling Matt Patricia a dummy for, for the entire fourth quarter. Um, and so Alex knows that like when pressure comes, like the ball's got to come out, you know, uh, pretty quick and he still knows where everybody is on the field. And it's just, it's cool to watch because you look up and you're like, how does this man have 390 yards against who is his receivers? Which is what I did all day. All I did was who are his receivers? Um, and they, they should have won that game because the Lions always lying. But, like, I don't know. It's I mean, does that make sense to you, Seth? Like, the, he plays in a way that is truly relatable, where it's just like, I would do the same thing. I would be running the – I'd be throwing them seven-yard outs. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Why am I looking downfield another half second? It, you know, Alex has been doing this a long time, and he understands what he can and what he can't do. Um yes. We've seen, we've seen peak Alex. I think you know, like the 2017 season. Um, he's still he's just he's a guy with limitations. He understands he's got to get the ball out quickly in those situations because I think he also knows about himself that he is not a you know consistently navigate the pocket under duress guy. That's just he doesn't have that that sixth sense, right? And so he mm-hmm. needs to either get the ball out quickly. With 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 pre snap reads, which he's very good at, or he needs to use his legs and scramble. Considering everything, I don't think it makes sense for him to scramble a lot right now. No, not right now. Yeah, and and, and so it just it is funny though. Like whenever people use things like the word "scared" to describe the way Alex plays or something, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he's scared. I'm sure that's the issue. This guy that's like you know doing the things that he does. Yeah, he's scared. That's the word. It's like, well, no, he's just, he's self-aware and he understands the situation yes, he's in. It's, it's a lot having to watch him. But at the same time, every time I think this with, with regards to Alex Smith, I, I think I said this like, uh, during, like after the 2017 season, when it was really clear they were going to trade him. And like, cause we'd had the one game of Holmes. It was like, Oh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, that, well, well, can he can he make all the throws? Yeah. I think he can make yeah, all the yeah. throws. Wow, boy, did he throw that. He just threw that to Albert Wilson with a defender wrapped around him. And the funny thing is, that game, we were just like, I mean, like afterwards I was reviewing and like, like just tweeting out clip after clip of the throws that he'd made. And now it's like, that wouldn't even be a top 15 game he's played as a chief. Maybe even top mm-hmm. 20. 
Like, it was just like, because he missed some reads and that kind of thing. And it's just like, good lord. Well, he, he's, well to be fair, Seth, he's only thrown 100 touchdowns since that game yeah. in 39 <laughs> games. But anyway, here's here's my thing for, for Alex. Because he he obviously, you know, made a decision to come back. And good for him. He gave his reasons why. He's trying to set an example. He feels like this is the best way he can do it. And man, good on him. So what I always say about Alex... I feel as bad for Alex Smith as I possibly can for a shredded, handsome, rich dude with a beautiful wife <laughs> and a family that loves him, <laughs> who is very smart and is going to have a long career after football. I feel as bad as I can for him because <laughs> I'm sure. Listen, okay, so you, you can. That's that's great perspective, Seth. But also, did you hear about how he's watched Philip Rivers tape to try to figure out how to play like a quarterback who doesn't use his legs? That's heartbreaking. That, that's, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. That's not for Alex Phil Smith. Rivers too. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, Phil sure Rivers is. is like. Get get my get your neck get my neck neck. neck, 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 neck. That's that's like Chris Jones shade to the Jets level of shade there. That's like, oh, what are you gonna do? Maybe I'll watch Phil Rivers. You know, how are you gonna figure out how to play on one leg? I'll probably watch that Rivers guy. He's been playing on one leg for twelve years. (laughs) Low key, that is some killer shade. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting to watch, and I got to watch it because you know, like as you. I, I, I experienced football crack for the first time yesterday. Oh, it's so good, isn't it, Seth? Cool. It's so good. I and talk to us, Seth. How do you feel? Do you feel hungover today? How I, do you feel? Well, I don't feel great. Um, so okay, <laughs> there's a <laughs> there's a what led to this? Also, how, I get, walk everybody through what exactly happened here. How you had not previously just, experienced red zone? How you got there today? So I, or I generally speaking, I'm just kind of a purist. I uh, Ted Wynn with the Athletic. He's the same thing. He doesn't uh, he doesn't watch red zone. He just watches the games and watches the highlights, and then watches Sports Center. And I'm like, hey, good on you, man. And so I'm just kind of a purist like that. You know, I've just always watched the game that was on. And even then, like when the Chiefs aren't playing, I already dedicate, you know, people know this isn't my primary job. And so I dedicate an inordinate amount of time to a hobby slash side job. And there's only so much that my wonderful wife is going to be willing to put up with on Sundays where it's like, oh, the Chiefs game over? Yeah. So are you like working on your article for them? No, no, I'm just watching every other team play. So, so this doesn't benefit our family at all. No, is she, is she, she's the meme that puts. She's the Will Smith, Fresh Miller. Hmm. Yeah, that's, the, it's like, that's, that's the, interesting hmm. that you think that's how you're going to spend your Sunday. Um, and so, just generally speaking, that's just not something I've done. But yesterday, um, I had uh, exposure to someone, and so I'm kind of you know quarantined. Um, they did not, and so they were able to go somewhere. And so I was at home by myself, and I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try Red Zone. I've never tried it. And holy smokes, the only thing I can compare it to, like, I have a few thoughts on this. But the first thing, I don't know if either of you or if any of our listeners watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, uh-huh. You know the episode The Gang tries, the, the gang Does Crack? Or the gang goes on welfare, whatever it is. Yes. And so, like, which is just the funniest thing. And that show, I can't really watch it. I'll, I'll watch it and laugh hysterically. And then I always have to turn off, like, oh, I can't watch this. Um, but it's so funny. They, like, we to get on welfare, well, we need to do some crack. And then, you know, they find some somehow. And it shows them, like, three days later, just waking up, just like, oh, what, what happened? I don't know. We need to go get our welfare. Yeah, but, but first... Let's go get more crack. And like, it's so terrible, but so funny. And like, that's how I felt after watching Red Zone for six hours. Like, oh, like, like my mouth is dry, but also wet. And like, what's happening? Like, my eyes hurt and there's too much information. And because I was also on Twitter at the same time. And it's just like too much. (laughs) So I can see why people love it. I mean... There's a lot of, <laughs> I wish I had, I wish I distanced myself from the crack analogy a little bit before I'd said that. Um, I can see why people love it. Um, I can see why people are doing it out here in these streets. Yeah, I can see why it's a problem. Um, but it's, it, it, it was a lot. I am not, I'm more of like a laser focus kind of guy. Like I focus on one thing at a time and I do that one thing. 
I am not. Can you can you can can you say that slower for like all of humanity right now? Because I feel like I feel like we're not. I feel like we're multitasking <laughs> while multitasking. Yeah, Seth, could you say that again? I was looking at my Instagram stories and, while you were talking. I got and bored. that's and that's I I think I've figured out football Twitter and like. A lot of football fans, why they are the way that they are. And I also think I've developed some insight into my good friend Josh, whose ability <laughs> to focus is like... <laughs> I always thought it was a generational thing, like, honestly, because I am a decade older than you. And I was always just like, you know, Josh is just a lot like me if I were a decade younger, you know? But no, I think I think football crack has changed you, Josh. Where it's because that's totally possible because you were saying like I saw you quote tweet me and you're like, yeah, I'm at the point now where it's like, you know, you get like not bored with it, but it's like, I can do another thing while I'm doing this. And I was like stressing. I was trying to watch once the first once the first of the early games hit halftime, I started playing Rocket League on my Switch. (laughs) Which is which if you don't know what Rocket League is, it's a game where you play soccer, but you're a car. <laughs> that's, that's, what I was, that's what I started doing which, which at about one thirty. Exclamation point on this entire discussion about focus. Yeah, and, it really, <laughs> it really is. But I, so I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm probably, I mean, I'm gonna probably do it again. It's probably how I'll consume stuff. But I usually am not gonna be able that's, to watch all at once. That's how crack works. Yeah, it, it works, but only if you do it just a little bit. Then, then it's fine. Um, right. So the the one thing that I would take away is like a serious takeaway from watching Red Zone, and there's just so much going on, right? I mean, there's you you'll sometimes just be watching one game, and everyone knows this probably who listens, who's like, how the crap was this your first time watching Red Zone? Um, but then suddenly you've got like four or five games on your screen or more, and there's just it's a lot. Wild. It made it's me wow. It made me realize with the types of plays that you see. And the limited sample size that you get from every game, it becomes mm-hmm. very easy to think you know a lot about players and teams without really knowing mm-hmm. anything about them in terms of consistency. Because really, you know, what matters is what a player does every snap, right? And you're right. missing that, but you're seeing their highlights, essentially. And it explains to me why when people are saying things like, you know, well, yeah, Mahomes is great, but, you know, other quarterbacks make those throws. I realize they're not seeing him do it literally 15 to 20 times a game. They yeah. see him do it a couple times, like they see every other quarterback do it a couple times. Yeah, which is why primetime games have actually gotten more um, precious, I think, to the football viewer in, in just reality because you're, you are seeing every snap. Because it is the only game, whether it's Thursday, Sunday night, or Monday night. But but right. You're, you're right, Seth. And I also think, too, because this is going to be something that like I'll probably look at later this week. But the idea, if you watch Red Zone, and I would compare it to like when the gang gets gun fever in, in, in um and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like, just the gun <laughs> fever episode is, is just, ooh, that's that, a lot. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Should put the gun down. But 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 I can hold it. I can just hold it. It's kind of like that. Um, so in essence, you're watching these red zone cut-ups essentially in live form and you're like, "Wow, you start thinking like there's not enough creativity in the red zone." And this is where Chiefs fans are very fortunate because I think the Chiefs are at their most creative form when they're in the red zone. And it's just when you see 31 other teams do it and the majority of those teams are very ordinary or traditional or like, hey, we're going to try to be a little razzle-dazzle, but like we don't have Tyreek Hill speed to do that. Um, it, it is it is interesting to know like, okay, you've worked this hard to get into the red zone, but yet I still feel like the defense has an advantage because of like I'm, I'm still looking at football in not its best form in terms of creativity when you get in the red zone, because I feel like a lot of coaches create their best plays when they're in the middle of the field, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, one thing that is, I'm, I'm hopping back slightly, I think, because I, I think that's true. I think that most of the time you see the most creativity whenever there's the most space to work with and everything, when it's sort of less valuable, I guess, because of the position it is, like sort of inherently things happen in the middle of the field are a little less valuable than things happen in the red zone. It's interesting. Um, 
one thing to your point, Seth, about like, oh, that's why football Twitter ends up being the way that it is a lot is like you can see because because you're right. I mean, Sam Darnold on a weekly basis, whenever Adam Gase isn't, you know, getting his shoulder dislocated for him and putting him back out there like Sam Darnold will have a throw every week that you go like, oh, all right. Oh, OK. Well, all right, Sam Darnold. And then he'll also turn the ball over a couple times and you go like, oh, all right, Sam Darnold. But all of the consistent, the the, the consistent, like, unbelievably precise level with which Patrick Mahomes plays at, it, it sort of gets de-emphasized by the fact that you don't have to watch anybody consistently. Mm-hmm. But the red zone is such a good product as both just like a heroin drip and also <laughs> as an on-ramp to the the NFL zeitgeist. Like it's it, it's such a good thing to to watch while also being on Twitter. It's it's such mm-hmm. a good way to feel like you know you, it, you're reading the spark notes of the NFL yes. by watching Red Zone, and there's no better way of doing that all in six hours or so. You could go back and rewatch everything, but now you're talking about spending days looking back at, you know, what is what what actually did Russell Wilson do consistently, or, or you know, how good is the Browns pass rush or whatever. I don't know, but I know what they looked like. The, the 12 snaps that I saw them uh, during red zone yesterday. And it's like, it's, I, I, I enjoy it so much as a product, but you're right that I do think that explains a lot of, a lot of conversational flaws around the sport. Mm-hmm. That was really well said. I didn't feel like I started very strong, so I'm glad I landed. Yeah, I got, I got stuck. I got stuck in mid <laughs> with the ball it's, again. Well, I mean, you know, the red zone, the red zone only kicked in as you closed towards the goal line, my friend. So people yeah. only saw That's you right. call mm. up we go, the winners. We go to Josh live at the 18 yard <laughs> line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that's the problem with Red Zone. Touchdown. All right, now we send you back to your favorite ringer podcast. What? That would be wild. If there was that would a be a wild. Version. I don't think I don't think I need a podcast Red Zone. ESPN Plus did a, a, a sort of a, I can't remember what it was called. They did like a baseball version during the uh that one day of the baseball playoffs or at least that one day of the baseball playoffs that had like eight games going on more or less all at once it was it was nuts it was also the most fun i'd had watching baseball in a while Hmm. so the product works i like it i like i like red zone style things but also um i'm you know i'm playing i'm playing rocket league during this podcast that's not true (laughs) that one's not true but i you know wish i was playing rocket league it's a great game (laughs) it does sound cool i actually there are a few video games that my kids play where you can play soccer with cars and so I wonder if that's similar to what you're doing. It sounds fun though. It's gotta. It's I don't. I can't imagine. I guess there could be like a, like a knockoff Rocket League. I imagine it's just Rocket League. Though. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's great. It's a very it's a very low mental effort game that you can just kind of do while watching football. That's great. I love it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um. So anyway, there's there's our. We all kind of had. We all had a thing we wanted to talk about coming into the show and before we knew it that ended up being about 40 minutes of podcast so uh, I want to go to some questions that we uh, didn't get to last week and some that I kind of had saved to the side for for Nate to get back Um, the one the one specific team I wanted to make sure he spent another second on was the Steelers because I I kind of thought the Bengals might be a little frisky. I thought that game might be a little interesting especially especially knowing Ben didn't 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 go through reps right you know yeah yeah uh, so I, you know, we're kind of looking for places where the Steelers could stub their toe because obviously they're a game up on the Chiefs right now. There's only one bye week uh, for the number one overall seed. The Steelers are now nine and zero. Next, it's the Jags, and then it's the Ravens, and then it's Washington, and they're gonna be twelve and zero after those three games. It seems. And then they go at the Bills, at the Bengals again, the Colts and the Browns. Like those, those last four games are a little interesting. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm still not a hundred percent sure. I understand. I want. I'm actually. I'm a hundred percent sure. I don't fully understand them, but I think I understand that they are good. I don't know where they fall on the spectrum though, because they've had a couple of good, if not inconsistent, wins. You know the. The Titans game and and still I would say their their first win against the Ravens, um, those were good wins over good teams. Their win over the Browns, but also they they were kind of lopsided in in their performance. They had good halves and bad halves, and most of the other teams they've beaten aren't very good. Literally, I mean it's Giants, Broncos, Texans, Eagles, Browns, Titans, Ravens, Cowboys, Bengals. Quite the schedule. The Eagles might be a playoff team. The the Ravens probably will be. The Titans probably will be. The Browns might be. Probably not. Um, although they're six and three still. So uh, I just I don't really know. I don't I don't know if I know what I'm looking at here. I, I'm I'm still kind of confused. But obviously they're a huge threat to the Chiefs because that first round bye would be great to have. Yeah, I w- I would say that the Ravens rematch should be um, really fascinating because of last night's result with the Ravens. Like the Ravens will need that game uh, in yeah. a way that the Steelers just can't. Um, and at some point we get closer to, you know, just human nature. And I've said this before about the Chiefs when they had their, what, 12-game winning streak. Look, at some point, you're just you're just not going to feel right or you're going to make maybe a couple more mental mistakes, which, you know, Seth has alluded to a couple times um, before the Chiefs rematch against the Raiders. And so there's an incentive both from a standing standpoint, motivation because of the previous game. I, I feel like the Ravens will need to be at their best you know, to to come up with that result. And I feel like the team like the Colts could have some some level of a of a real contrasting styles matchup. Like the Colts yeah. defense is quietly good. Um mm-hmm. and, you know, Phillip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger are, are pretty like one has the reputation of being more turnover prone, but I still feel like Ben has these stretches where you know, you can get a couple turnovers off of Ben Roethlisberger and a half if you play it the right way. Um, so that'll be a fun game. I don't have a ton of faith in the Cleveland Browns just because I don't know if they can score as much as the Steelers yeah. can. Um, but I think the two teams out of the remaining that are left on the Steelers schedule are the Colts and the Ravens just because I feel like the Ravens are a divisional opponent. They need that victory. Um, those games are always tight in general. And then the Colts can play a style that forces Ben to go the length of the field to where you have to be pretty precise. And, you know, uh, the Steelers have a really good wide receiver core, um, quietly like a top five, I think, in the league, um, which mm-hmm. has obviously helped, you know, Ben have a have a real have a real case if this wasn't the Alex Smith comeback player of the year award year. Like, he would be yeah. – he would clearly be the comeback player of the year if, like, Alex Smith just wasn't playing football. Um, but I, I would say, you know – the Chiefs and the Chiefs fans, obviously, they need to, you know, they need to have their own success. But until the Steelers play the Ravens, I don't know what. I mean, yes, you could stumble, but I just think it's hard. And I think the Steelers are a good enough team to to at least get to the Ravens game 
unblemished. And that's what on Thanksgiving night, I believe, correct? Oh, is it? I believe so, it is. I believe that's the Thursday night Thanksgiving primetime classic, uh, if my memory is correct. Yeah, that sounds spicy. I'm here for that. Um, I think one... Go ahead, Seth. I was going to say that if you had anything on this, go for it. Otherwise, I, I forgot I wanted to talk about your story up on The Athletic right now. So, do you talk about this. I'll, I'll do I'll, just I'll 30 seconds on this. I think one matchup to watch sure. will be Buffalo. Now, partly because Buffalo's a good team. Mm-hmm. But also, I think um, you talk about, you know, football's a game of matchups and contrasting styles. The Steelers really like to play kind of heavy on defense because they've got a really good defensive line and really good mm-hmm. linebackers. And the Cowboys gave them some problems spreading them out um, because, you know, once when you've got, you know, three, four receivers on the field, that means Pittsburgh's got to remove one of their better players or should for a worse player, right? You know, their, their nickel and dime corners aren't nearly as good as their, you know, their linebacker group or especially their, like, pass rushers, right? And I think you could see them give the Steelers defense some problems because they're much better than Dallas, but they're also capable of spreading them out. Um, and so I, I just, I think that's it. That'll be an interesting matchup to watch where the Steelers defense has some of the same problems they had against Dallas. I ended up on Ben Roethlisberger's pro football reference page. Cause I was trying to remember if he had won an MVP and he hasn't. Um, but I was like, well, I don't know which years would he have even won. And I went and looked at the two years that won the Super Bowl. I knew that first year was, you know, him riding yes. Jerome Bettis and the defense, basically. But the second, I was like, well, what were his stats in 2008 whenever he, whenever they went on and, and won the Super Bowl? Um, both in 2005 and 2008, he threw 17 touchdowns. In, two, in 2008, where obviously he's the bona fide starter, he played all 16 games. They went 12-4. and four. He threw 17 touchdowns and 15 picks that year. Oof. Hey, Timing is everything. Just, just ground, and, ground and pound, baby. <laughs> I guess. That's crazy. That's so... He's thrown for exactly 17 touchdowns three times in his career, but two times it was on 12 games. And then the year they won... Or excuse me, four times in his career he's done that. Exactly 17 touchdowns. But it was on shorter seasons, except for the year they won the Super Bowl... When he went seventeen and fifteen, I don't expect you guys to like have a take on yeah, that. I, I, I just I'm didn't just, know that. I'm just kind of. I'm just kind of. Yeah, flabbergasted. Really strange. Anyway, he's had a his, his some of his career numbers are really, really interesting. Um, that notwithstanding, uh, that will not be the remainder of the podcast. Will not be me sitting in silence staring at Ben Roethlisberger box scores. Uh, what we'll talk about now, though, is uh, Seth's latest piece up in The Athletic. It came out, uh, I think, on Friday, but I think it was we did the, the pod Thursday night. So, um, Seth, if you want to kind of – I'll give the, the pitch here. It's the, the, whole, the whole piece is fact or fiction. You take on a few different narratives kind of going around. You love taking on narratives. You love taking on narratives more than Patrick Mahomes loves taking on uh, MVP challengers. And you wrote about Patrick Mahomes being good. I'm comfortable skipping that one because uh, <laughs> people listening to this podcast get it. But there, there, you took on a couple of interesting other little storylines that I thought were were worth noting. What was your what was your favorite one to kind of put out there in front of people? Um, I mean, I guess favorite would be a stretch, but I think it's worth talking about the most. Maybe something that's not getting talked about enough was the pass rush. And, yeah. and how the Chiefs pass rush has been okay. Like, they're getting pressure on quarterbacks, but they're having to blitz to do it. About 10% more than they did last year. And that outside of Chris Jones, they haven't had anyone perform at a really high level. And that does include Frank Clark, um, who has been decent, but nothing like he was down the back end of last season. Which we were kind of hoping, you know, with him coming in healthy, that's what it would look like. And early yeah. in the season, like after the Ravens game... It was like, holy crap, this is how it's going to be, right? Um, so that was just something, you know, I, I kind of talked about some of the numbers, and numbers don't tell the whole story, but I think you can look at numbers and anecdotally, and you can think of a lot of big plays where the Chiefs just haven't gotten pressure rushing for if Chris Jones doesn't get home. And so that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. I expect Clark to close the season strong. Um, he's been doing this long enough that it's silly to think that he'll be only okay for an entire season, right? Um, and so it, it's just worth noting, though. 
Uh, and then the other one, um, I mean, I wrote about Tashawn Wharton because I love writing about Tashawn Wharton, but I don't know. I think I've run out of things to say <laughs> about Tashawn Wharton other than, you know, he's good. Like, like legitimately good. And he's starting to flash some pass rush moves, which some pass rush. <sighs> you're starting to flash pass rush. Pass rush. Yeah. Um, he's starting to flash a few pass rush. It's because I used the word flash there. Flash pass yeah. rush moves. Um, but he's still got a long ways to go with that development because right now, you know, with most pass rushers coming out of college, the conversation about them, you know, when they go to like D1 schools and that sort of thing is, well, they need to develop a secondary move and like a third move, you know, and have a plan as opposed to just having the one move that they use over and over again. Wharton needs to develop a pass rush move. Like he's, I mean, he went to Missouri S&T, which to most people's, Probably not a tremendous surprise. I don't think he developed a ton there. He's just physically very, very gifted. Has great functional strength and great athleticism. Um, and I, But there's a lot to like there. So I wrote about that, which is always fun. And then another one is like, maybe people should chill on McCole Hardman a little bit. Like, I've just seen this a lot. Now, this is more, sometimes I, I'm, I'm often responding. If you're a Chiefs fan who's listening to this show and you're like not on Twitter... You might be like, oh, wow, are people being hard on McCole Hardman? And so I'm often responding to Twitter, which is, you know, maybe not the most representative thing in the world. Which is very healthy and time well spent. Yes. For sure, for sure. But it is, it's just worth noting there's a lot of people talking about how McCole Hardman, you know, has been disappointing this year. And I would say I expected him to do more than he's done, especially with Sammy Watkins getting injured. But he is averaging more yards per game. His his exceptional yards per target numbers have been maintained. Still, yeah, still steady. Yep, yep. despite an uptick mm-hmm. in targets over the last few games, he's been incorporated more into the intermediate and short game. So he's 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 improved his numbers kind of modestly from a good rookie season. His he's his role in the offense has started to as of late expand a little bit, not a ton. And I just see people talking about him like he's a bust, and I find that weird like genuinely weird like you know and maybe that's part well they could have taken dk metcalf okay fair enough yeah he is not as right now the best receiver or the second or third you know what i mean like and i get that but it's also bizarre to me that because he's he's played fairly well he's got to get the drops issue under control in terms of you know gather the ball then run (laughs) like he's had a few (laughs) of those but travis kelsey used to have those all the time and so I, that was kind of just looking at his numbers. It was kind of fascinating to me that the narrative is that he hasn't taken a step forward where when you look at things, I think he has just not as sizable as we'd hoped. One other thing there, unless Nate, you have anything on Hardman or do you want to move? No, on no, to- go ahead. Cool. Um, one other thing that you mentioned there a little bit is that the offensive line has legitimately struggled. There've been some issues there and uh, we can kind of, shift that into a couple of questions that they got. They've got a few about the offensive line, specifically looking at Martinez rank and working mm-hmm. his way back. Um, I don't know if it's fair to say that Mitchell Schwartz is on his way back. He hasn't practiced, you know, he didn't practice coming into, uh, into the bye week at all, but now there's been another week off. So I think a lot of people are expecting that, that ramping up to hopefully come with him soon, but we just don't know that right now. But with, with, with Schwartz being, Hopefully on his way back with Martinez Rankin apparently on his way back. There's a handful of questions. Also, uh, Daniel Kilgore no longer starting at center. Austin Ryder started there last week. Just a, a few potential moving parts and, and again at center, some definite moving parts. Nate, do you have a feel for what the Chiefs' like ideal front five is slash will be and and whenever whenever it is as healthy as it will get? Yeah, it, it's a it's an interesting question. Um, one little tidbit of thought I had, because um, I think I'm going to write about this, when when Ferrari Wright is occurring, it is pretty clear to me that he, Patrick Mahomes had worked on that play with Austin Ryder, like hmm. both in training camp this year and to some degree they had worked on snapping a ball to a motioning quarterback before. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to me that the one game that, you know, Austin Ryder came back and Andy Reid said, like, yes, he is, you know, healthier um, at the midway point of the season. Uh, it does allow that play to be involved in the game plan because I'm not sure, I'm not sure, you know, Adam, I'm not sure Kilgore could do that. <laughs> I'm not sure Daniel Kilgore mm-hmm. could do that, um, which is kind of interesting to do because, like, we always talk about Mahomes' brilliance, but it is interesting that, like, 
Austin has the exact timing to do that for that specific play. Um, it seems like the Chiefs want to keep Daniel Kilgore as a spot starter when necessary or if things start to go south with Austin Ryder. Austin Ryder is the younger player, although I know Seth loves Kilgore because he can, he can kind of move um, in space better and he is somewhat a, a more technical blocker. Uh, there are cases to be made that um, Mike Rimmers could go back to guard, but like that's not a given if Martinez Rankin is indeed going to be, you know, slowly brought back up to like not just being on the active roster, but like being suited up on game day, like being on, you know, being active, um, whether that's against the Raiders or sometime moving forward. Um, I mean, Nick Allegretti is kind of the monkey wrench in all of this, like mm-hmm. <laughs> in a good way, not in a bad way, but like mm-hmm. he he is something that we just didn't, you know, sort of expect or assume uh, was going to be the case. So he's continued to play well. Which puts, you know, like, there's a chance that you're looking something to the effect of, like, Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz is obviously your tackles. Maybe Mike Rimmers, if not him, maybe, you know, uh, Martinez Rankin with Austin Ryder and Nick Allegretti. I mean, that's my best guess right now. But it will be interesting to know once everybody had another week off, and if you include you know, Mitchell Schwartz back, what is the starting offensive line? Because I honestly don't know that answer at this point. But that's my best guess. Seth, who who would you who would you select if you were making the choice of those guys? Um, if we're gonna go with an assumption that Rankin is healthy, um, and let's say he, he can play at the level he played last year during which, you know, that's subject to small sample sizes, so you never know. Yeah. Um, I would go with oh man, it's snowing. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I would I would go with uh, Fisher, Allegretti, Kilgore, Rankin, Schwartz. Okay, so I'm a bit slower. I was I was trying to keep sure I, I sure pass really fast. Um, Eric Fisher, left tackle number seventy two. Yeah, yes. Oh crap! I don't know Allegretti's <laughs> number. Um, <laughs> seventy three. I think. I think that's um, right. I think so Allegretti yes. at left tackle or left guard. Good lord. Um, Kilgore at center. And mm. then uh, Rankin at right guard, and then Schwartz at right tackle. Um, even if Schwartz is so, if Schwartz can't go. Obviously, it's Remmers. Even if Schwartz can go, I think based on what I've seen, I'd prefer Allegretti and Rankin at guard to Remmers. In part for for two reasons. The first, they need someone who can be a swing tackle, because you saw how quickly things went south when Remmers got hurt for a few snaps. Um, that was tough because Durant's not ready. Um, yeah. so you need him healthy, right? If, if Schwartz does need to sit out later, cause back problems rarely get a lot better. Right. Um, and so you, you want him healthy. And I also think that Rankin was better at guard last year than what I saw from Remmers this year. He's, I, I think he's more of a tackle than a guard. And I think the same for Allegretti. So that would be my preferred line going forward. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Reed tends to stick with the guys that he's got, barring injury, though. Yeah, that's why the writer thing was so weird, because it, it seemed like, even maybe even bringing in Kilgore that first round was kind of weird, because, you know, I mentioned, like, a knee issue for Ryder, but anyway, that was all kind of, that, that all seemed a little bit out of character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of the show. And and play the and outro, and we'll talk to you next week. Uh, no, that, uh... That'll do it for us here today. Um, we'll continue to take like a few questions over from one show to the next in all likelihood because we'll do another show later in the week to look ahead to the uh, Chiefs-Raiders rematch, which should be very interesting. Imagine, uh, I think we're hearing from Andy Reid later today. I imagine that, right, Nate? Yes, I believe that is the case. Today? Maybe we'll get some, some, some nice little bite-sized updates um, on, the, on the Twitter app. But, uh, yeah, and... Look, there's a reason we didn't talk about Raiders Broncos guys. Did you see the Broncos? Just, just that I just want to make that clear for folks. Like, that was gross. It, yeah. We're gonna have to we have to provide some analysis, I guess, to the Raiders Broncos game. It's mostly about the Broncos and who, yeah. like, good grief. Um, the Broncos are bad guys, but that, but, but that's why we didn't talk about that game. <laughs> Listen, they, I I tweeted this, so I'll, and I'll say it again. 
I'm afraid they may need to unlock their offense. And the, now, see, guys, the joke there. You're laughing. You're all laughing. You're both laughing I'm, pretty hard. Yeah, I was. I'm, I'm, it, I'm, it was so funny that so I, I was. So the quarterback's name. <laughs> yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, get it. Get a nice breath. The quarterback's <laughs> name is Drew Locke. His last name is Locke. But but how? I'm saying he didn't look very good. But uh-huh. how can you unlock the offense? Josh, if the offensive line just flat out stinks and you have two running backs that don't complement one another and your tight ends are well, hard and there's only I one top level need, wide receiver you got. If I say they need to un-Melvin Gordon their offense, <laughs> it's, it's just the wordplay is just not quite the same. Uh, for more of that great content, you can follow me on Twitter at JB Briscoe. You probably should follow uh, at by Nate Taylor at Real MN Chiefs fan. Uh, I'll be around with those jokes and tweets about Rocket League. And, uh, of course, you can subscribe to Times Ours wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen in the Athletic app or anywhere, wherever you get your shows. Everything is out there for uh, for all consumption. So check us out uh, anywhere out there. You can also, of course, read Seth and Nate's work up in the Athletic. And Seth has the Chief of the North newsletter with even more stuff uh, that he puts out on a really remarkably frequent basis. So you can, you can get to all of our stuff from all of us if you just search for uh, you search for all of us on Twitter and uh, subscribe to Times Ours wherever you get your podcasts. That's it. We're done. I'm hoping that Nate's bit for the end of the show today involves Bill O'Brien. That's my bet. I just want somebody to investigate. Give me minute-by-minute accounting of Bill O'Brien's Sunday afternoon. That's all. That's all I'm asking. (laughs) That's all I'm asking. Just just put me in the space that Bill O'Brien was in. I would watch, I would watch, I would do a pay-per-view for that 30 for 30. <laughs> <laughs>